for no reason. It's very hard for us to, to handle right now. You know, we make no apologies for our suffering and our pain. You can see it. Yeah. We, we're not going to apologize for that. But we're not just hurting. We're angry. Yeah. We're mad. This shouldn't have happened. No, it shouldn't. We do our best to be good citizens, to be good people. We believe in God. We trust him. We treat people with decency. And we love even our enemies. And you expect us to keep doing this over and over and over again. Over again. Forgive and forget. While the people we elect and trust in offices around this country do their best not to protect us, not to consider us equal. Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. But I have some important stuff that I have to get off my chest first before I talk about anything else. And a lot of it has to do with the soundbite you just heard. Gentleman speaking's name is Garno Whitfield. Mr. Whitfield is a former fire commissioner in Buffalo, New York. During the mass shooting Saturday in that city, his mother was one of those killed. You know, at this time two years ago, many people were getting, were seeing how far the rabbit hole went in regards to the situation of Ahmad Arbery, a black man in the suburb of Atlanta, who was killed while jogging. Shot dead by those who saw the color of his skin and saw an enemy. That same year, just nine days later, an entire nation watched in horror with law enforcement officer with a knee at the throat of a man named George Floyd. We all know where history took us from there. Took us into a movement that we thought and hoped would sustain and galvanize. But these things keep happening. And just this past weekend, it happened again. We saw this before. We read the manifesto of the shooter. We heard it before. Talk about replacement. Have we forgotten Charlottesville already? Mr. Whitfield's pain is my pain. And it all goes back to the central question of why. Why do I feel like as a black American, there's a target on my back? And that target gets drawn bigger because not only being a black American, being a transgender American, and seeing people that are willing to put that target there to gain influence for a position or to win votes. The question is, what do we do with it? Will we actually look at this moment and really think about where we're going 
as a society? Or will we just say you're in our hopes and prayers and sit back until that next time it happens and we do the whole dance again? In the news and sport this week, soccer's where the big news is. And there's some good news and some news of hope. Sid Ziegler had a couple of stories on this for Out Sports. Jake Daniels, forward for Blackpool in the English Championship. That's the second tier up, just a heartbeat away from the Premiership. 30 goals this year for this youngster. He's 17 years old. In February, he signed his first professional contract. He got called up to the big club. On Monday, May 16th, he had a message for his team, his fans, and his community. This young man will be the first openly gay male professional player in English football in 32 years. The last is well-known name to people who follow the game. Justin Fashana. He came out in 1990. The story was tragic from there. I have a belief that Jake Daniels' story will be more hopeful. In an interview with Sky Sports a few days ago, Daniels said he came out because it was just time. It's been such a long time of lying. Um, and I've just processed and processed every day of just about how I want to do it, when I want to do it. And I think now is just the right time to do it. You know, I feel like I'm ready to tell people about my story. I want people to know the real me. And lying all the time just isn't what I've wanted to do, and it has been a struggle. But now I just do feel like I'm ready to be myself, be free, and just be confident with it all. He's gotten a great deal of support from figures across the game. One of those who came forward is defender Marvin Ekpeteta. Now, Ekpeteta coming forward was important because a decade ago, as a young man in the game himself, at the tender age of 17, his Twitter was filled with some things that you would call, say, were homophobic. Well, the 26-year-old defender and among the leaders of the team raised those tweets and step forward with a new tweet today, saying, quote, Yes, I was proud of Jake and all involved at Blackpool FC for what is a usually positive moment for football as a whole. I am embarrassed by the comments I made as a 17-year-old nearly a decade ago, which do not in any way reflect the values I hold now or the beliefs I have as a person or as a teammate. Football needs to be a place where everyone can feel free to be true to themselves, and I am upset that the comments I previously made suggest otherwise. I take full responsibilities for these posts, and I'm sorry. Good start for you, Mr. Ekpeteta. Now, you really want to show you've changed? You find Jake Daniels in that dressing room. You look him in the eyes, man to man, and say the exact same thing. Another voice of support came from Australia's Joss Cavallo. Now, Cavallo came out last year. And Daniel cited Cavallo as an influence to his own decision. Cavallo told The Guardian on Tuesday, quote, As myself and Adelaide United prepare for the A-League semifinals, I want to stop and take a moment to acknowledge Jake's announcement and say how very proud I am for his bravery. It's a wonderful feeling to know that my stories help guide Jake to be his true self. This world and the game of football is a place for everyone. Love will always win. But 
for every story like this, there's the other side. And on the other side, there's a player named Idrissic Gaillet, midfielder for Paris Saint-Germain. Now, the Senegalese midfielder set up PSG's match Saturday against Montpellier, a match where PSG donned pride-themed rainbow jerseys. Now, Gaillet set out a similar match last year. His reasoning this time is that he's Muslim from a nation that's 95% Muslim where homosexuality is a crime and felt by wearing the jersey he would be promoting homosexuality. Now, Senegal's president tweeted his support saying Gaillet's religious convictions must be respected. The country's former prime minister said, quote, Gaillet is not homophobic. He does not want his image to be used to promote homosexuality. Leave him alone. Wearing a rainbow jersey is promoting homosexuality. Where have I heard that one before? Now, it's not just a matter of this one player. This is also touchy for this team. You see, Paris Saint-Germain is owned in part by the Qatari state through its sovereign wealth fund. Now, Qatar itself is kind of under a lot of scrutiny. After all, they're the nation that's hosting the World Cup this year. And quite a few LGBTQ fans don't feel that they won't be safe in that Middle Eastern country, or really in any Middle Eastern country when you think about it. World Cup organizers have insisted that all fans will be welcomed during the tournament. This fan's not buying it, and a lot of other fans aren't. And this story is part of the reason why my optimism is a bit more guarded. First off, Jake Daniels, 17 years old, showing a good deal of courage. I applaud your courage, Jake. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not down on Jake Daniels, but I'm down on a lot of the situation. For every one player like his teammate who stood up, did right, and I hope he stands up and does right in person, eye-to-eye, -eye, man to man to Jake Daniels, there's an address that's going to guy There's going to be friction. I know that Sid Ziegler feels that there's been a lot of change, and, there ha and Sid's not wrong. There's been a great deal of it. But there's still going to be friction in the locker room, still going to be friction with sponsors, There's going and there's sure enough going to be friction in the terraces. And there will be friction in the tabs. And Jake knows that. There was something that Sid said in his article. Quote, our society has advanced the idea that gay athletes coming out in football, soccer, or whatever you call the sport, risk losing their careers or endorsements. It's false and completely misses the reality of today's Western culture of what it means to be a professional athlete. Now, Sid if we were talking about the United States, I'd agree with you. But this isn't U.S. soccer. This is English football. A little bit of a cultural shift here. No, a lot of a cultural shift here. And right now, British and American society are retrenching. Don't believe me? Take a look at some of these primary election results we're seeing. Let's take a look at where, what certain candidates of a certain political bent in this country are saying 
about LGBTQ people right now. It's not just here in the United States. Definitely over there. In, it's definitely in the UK. And let's take a look at how enlightened the West isn't right now. They don't call UK Turf Island for nothing. You go to Italy and you still have marriage equality haphazard across a lot of the country. In France, you had a neo-Nazi come within eight points of winning an election. The one thing she wants to do is roll back LGBTQ rights. Head farther up the NATO alliance, Europe slash European Union, and you find LGBTQ free zones in Poland, and of course you find your favorite despot in mine, Viktor Orban of Hungary. Oh, by the way, there are certain politicians here in the United States who so love Viktor Orban, they want to have their CPAC meeting in Budapest. Let that sink in. Right now, you have two members of the European Union who are about as LGBTQ friendly as Putin's Russia. And oh, did we mention those elections? Oh yes, five states had elections this week. And you have a general election coming up this weekend in Australia. Common denominator in many of those races, Leah Thomas got talked about more than climate change. From politics to our Brittany Griner update. On May 13th, Griner made her first public appearance in Russia after being detained in February. She was in handcuffs in a Russian courtroom and told her trial will be delayed another month. Her lawyer told the Associated Press he believes the trial is going to happen sooner than that. Now, Russian media has also floated the idea that there could be a prisoner swap, which could send Griner home in exchange for a Russian prisoner in the United States. How about some happy Carly shout-outs? The first one to a federal judge who struck down the Tennessee law on Tuesday that would require businesses in the state to post warning notices on public restrooms if they have policies that allow transgender people to use the facilities that match their gender identity. Now, the judge in this case, Judge Alita Trauger of U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Tennessee, wrote this in her ruling which issued this preliminary injunction. Quote, it would do a disservice to the First Amendment to judge the act for anything other than what it is, a brazen attempt to single out trans-inclusive establishments and force them to parrot a message that they reasonably believe would sow fear and misunderstanding about the very transgender Tennesseans whom those established are trying to provide with some semblance of a safe, welcoming environment. Good on you, Judge anything to stop the slate of hate in Tennessee. Also, a couple couple of happy Carly Grams here. If you haven't seen the trailer for all for the next season of All Mankind Season 3 on Apple TV, I suggest you rectify that oversight immediately. The new season begins June 10th, and the race is on. A new space race. This time, the target is Mars. Check it out. Oh, by the way, my, I feel the same way about the up, about the trailer for the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney+. Plus. It gets my seal of approval. You need to check it out. And a happy Carly Graham to Sam Kerr. The Australian Superboot had two goals last week in Chelsea's Women's FA Cup victory over Man City, 3-2. She hit the winning margin, 99th minute in extra time. 
Sam Kerr just keeps getting it done, doesn't she? And another happy Carly Graham to your favorite Italian sprinter and mine, Valentina Petrillo. The splendid sprinter did it again. At an Italian Parathletic Championship meet last weekend, she took her 400 meter record in the T13 classification and cut it down by a full half second. Valentina Petrillo's on a mission to get to World Parathletic Championships this, later this year in Kobe, Japan. I'm gonna tell you right now, can't wait to see her run, can't wait to see her win. And that's the red alert klaxon. You know what that means. Gotta take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, a most unusual happening in a city where sports unusual happenings are the norm. We're gonna take a look at a softball team that's all inclusive with an awesome name in Seattle. That's coming up. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb. And this week, our guest spotlight will take you to a place where sports has always been kind of different. The names are different. The colors are different. The fandom is a bit different, but it's no less intense. That place is Seattle, Washington. Think of the teams that are in Seattle. Got the Seahawks and the uh, and the other 12th man. Just don't tell people in Texas I said that. And they've been home to teams such as the Seals, the Supersonics, still one of the best, still parts of one of the best rap lyrics ever created. And more recently, there are the Sounders and the Storm. Both very successful teams in a place that is a little bit gray and a little bit grunge. But amid all that, there's also a ray of sunshine on a softball field. And true to their Seattle roots, they have an unusual name in an unusual game. Of all the nicknames that you could find and all the interesting names that you find in that area from Samoa Samoa to Tom Flick to Ryan Leaf. They're in the middle of the Puget Sound pronouns. Now, who are the Puget Sound pronouns? They are a softball team. They're, they are a C-level softball team, and they are a rather inclusive one. From what I hear, if you can dream of a particular person with a particular orientation or a particular identity, they probably have them on this team. And of course, there's that name, the pronouns. If nothing else, it's a nickname that at least causes a little conversation. This team was a brainchild of a sports-loving, softball-loving player in Seattle who just wanted to see inclusion make it onto the ball field. And she got inclusion there in a lot of ways. 
and I'm glad that she took the time to join us here at the Transporter Room. Joining us now, the founder, president, and manager of the Puget Sound Pronouns, Brittany Miller, and their team's videographer, Jerrica Moore. Beaming up from Puget Sound Country, beaming up from SeaTac, the town that gave us Baby Got Back, welcome to the Transporter Room, Energize. Well, thanks for having us. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, it's awesome to be able to come on here and talk about basically my baby here. So it's it's amazing to see what, how this is taking off and how, um, you know, we're accomplishing big goals. We have big plans and... Um, you know, I think you, you mentioned it with the name that will start a conversation. And the nice thing about it is for those of us that are trans or non-binary, uh, you know, when you see that team name, like, Hey, okay, this is a place where I would be welcome to play. Let's talk a little ball first. Who's sure. having, who's having a better season, the pronouns or the Mariners? <laughs> you know what? Our, our records are similar in win percentage, so uh, a little unfortunate, you know. Uh, but I think we're having a little bit more fun out there. Um, you know, we're we've we've we're, our record is three and six, and uh, we've lost three games by three or fewer. So um, honestly, I think we're doing we're doing a great job. One of my big things you mentioned we're in C division, and that's kind of upper division in our league, ECSA. Uh, it only goes as high as B division. So this is a new team with a lot to prove with people from different backgrounds. In C division, you don't see many women, cis or trans, and we have four women on our team. Uh, we have a trans player. We have a trans coach. Um, and we had another trans player for our tournament that we were a part of. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think basically we're showing that we all belong at these higher division in this higher division that we belong. We can play, we can hold our own against the teams of, um, you know, just all big burly men. Like we we're showing that we belong and that we can do, we can play this game as well as anyone else. Well, one thing is talking about ball. I am looking at this stat line right now. I, I wonder, I wonder How's Brittany Miller doing in the fantasy market? Because 58 for 58 for 104, seven triples, six, six dingers, 39 runs batted in. Um, should I pick you up for the fantasy this week? Well, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, you know, I mean, I'm a lefty with some speed and some pop, and I run the base as well. Uh, I catch everything I get to. I can slide. So, you know, on the slow pitch rec field, those are all pretty valuable skills. Jerrica, do you worry about her hat size? <laughs> oh, it's it's plenty big. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no stopping that. That's just, yeah. LXL bordering on triple XL. <laughs> now, about the team what got this started so last year uh i was playing on the seattle centers and i had just come out and trans started transition in 2020 uh the 2020 season was canceled due to covid and uh you know i wanted after 2020 to move up from d division where the centers played to c i had previously played in c 
spent a couple of years down in D with some friends, and I thought I was ready to go back up and challenge myself. Uh, but because the COVID year happened, um, you know, I was like, okay, I did tell them I'd play one more year. So I ended up playing 2021 with the Sinners, and it ended up being a great thing because I wouldn't have probably if this, if COVID hadn't happened. Um, I might not have come out and transitioned and I would have never had this idea. Um, I would have moved to see a year earlier and probably just found a roster spot on someone else's team. But after my year with the sinners, I thought about ways to move up to see, and I was thinking, you know, instead of being on someone else's team, why don't I just start my own team? And I started, uh, talking to one of my teammates that I had met just this year, Zach, about names. And he helped me, he helped me, like, he helped me come up with a list of names. And one just stood out to me when I came up on Puget Sound Pronouns. I saw it there. I asked Zach what he thought. His wife thought that's the one. And pretty soon it just became this idea like, okay, we're going to create this space in ECSA, which is an LGBTQIA plus league. Um, and, you know, it's a gay league, but primarily, it caters to gay men, to cis gay men, like a lot of these leagues do. And uh, I thought, you know, not only can we move up the division with a name like that, we can kind of challenge some standard conventions of the league and show that show that it doesn't have to be just for men and at these higher divisions. And so I've kind of had a chip on my shoulder throughout building the organization. And I think that's kind of helped make it a reality and, and make it the spot it is where people feel like, hey, this is this is the team for everybody. Did it get difficult at the beginning? Well, I will I will say that I started in this league uh, eleven years ago, and I was presenting uh, as a cis man at that point. I had a nice big denial beard. Um, <laughs> you know, I had and, and and the league really helped me come out. Um, like, you know, I had. I had thought of myself as a secret cross-dresser. Like I thought I was a cishet straight man, but like, no, I have this, I was just drawn to that. And then I used their fundraiser pageant, Miss CCSA to kind of like show that face to the world for the first time. And I let my friends know, like, this isn't a one-time thing. And they were so supportive. Um, so the league really gave me, that space to discover who I am and embrace myself in a safe way in a spot where I knew um, it would, I would be able to take these steps peacefully uh, without any pushback. And I kind of slowly over the course of my time in the league went from cishet to um, uh, by gender is, is the way I described it. And the pandemic basically made me realize I was trans. So I would say that the league gave me the space to come out. Like it gave me the safe space, which was great. It was awesome. Um, but definitely, you know, once you get into those sports spaces post transition, um, you, you certainly realize that, you know, you are perceived differently the moment that happens. Quick note about the, about the denial beard. Mm -hmm. How big a denial beard are we talking about? Are we talking like medium denial beard or Seattle Kraken playoff denial beard. I mean, you you've seen Zach Galifianakis, right? Yeah, yeah. I I used oh. to have an ID where I looked just like him in The Hangover. 
I did a I did a Zach Galifianakis Tim and Eric costume, uh, the Snuggler for Halloween one year, and it was a dead ringer for it. Wow! So that's a that's a no that's a psycho stick beard right there. That's right. A, that, that is straight beard. Very <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so trans flag is in the jersey. Oh yeah. It is in the jersey. See, sure. I am loving this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have two sets of jerseys. We also have a button up, but obviously this one is my favorite. Um as as a trans woman, uh it's nice to have our flag represented when we take the field. So uh the makeup of our team is pretty diverse. We have uh we have cishet men, we have uh cis lesbians we have myself a trans woman uh one of our friends austin who's a trans man plays with us for uh tournaments from time to time our coach sarah she's a trans woman uh who actually got a taste of college ball and she's the best skill skill builder in the league for sure um so yeah we we kind of have and of course we have this game in as well so essentially uh we kind of cover not all but many of the bases of the community and you know i mean basically people people know that no matter what part of the umbrella of our community they fall under that um they're going to be like welcomed with open arms here that it's not going to be all about um just you know let's let's find the it's, it's i guess I guess I would say sometimes when you're building a softball roster, people get so locked into the idea of like, let's find the biggest, strongest players. And we're like, no, um, you know, we're not going to have that kind of toxic win at all costs atmosphere here. We're going to win, but we're going to do it because we like each other because we are a team and we work hard together. We build our skills together. And, um, you know, those kind of players can come from any background you know, we're challenging the idea that you just have to have these big, burly sluggers in the league. Um, multiple skill sets can win games. And, and you know, we're showing people you don't have to be afraid of playing a higher division just because you don't fit the physical prototype. It's important to point out that the team is, like, diverse in other ways. So uh, one of the women on the team is a black woman. Uh, there's Chow. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's uh, Southeast Asian descent. So there's like a good mix of people from lots of different backgrounds on the team. Wow. So you, so you're building all and uh, building all sorts of diversity all the way around. But mm-hmm. one thing, how, how do things kind of play out with some of the, is there an old guard in the league? There was a group of people I play, I play with, in my league for whom, because I played on a team that was built similar to the, to the concept you built. Mm-hmm. That was my first time. Ever. That was my first time playing a team sport since I came out. And early on, and we were in a league that's been around since the seventies. And early on, there was a lot of people, a lot of the old timers in the league, they had to get up to speed as it were. What if the if you went through that experience, what was it like to kind of get people up to speed? Like, okay, okay, we're gonna have a few more lesbians in the league. You're gonna have some people with some different pronouns in the league. Okay. 
now you get to see trans people up close and you're playing against them. What would, if there was that adjustment period, what was it like? And you just, and you said it yourself before we started this interview, you're willing to educate. So when did you have to? Sure. Uh, well, I will say that for this league started in the eighties. So the, the best person, honestly, to answer this question would be my coach, Sarah Fetters. Uh, Sarah has been in this league for 22 years, so twice as long as I've been in it. And she's been out and openly trans the entire time. So something that you very much did not really see in those spaces 22 years ago. Uh, so, so, you know, like it or not for her, Sarah has kind of been the one that has kind of helped bring everyone along in the league to understanding trans issues and trans identity. Um, and because she's such an excellent coach and we have been, you know, friends uh, here and there throughout the years, I definitely like sought her out when I was building the team to be our coach. And, and most of my reflection on the old guard and how things have changed come through what Sarah has told me. Um, she talked about, I, I feel like, and we'll get to this too, the bigger issue is Naga, the big governing board of all of our leagues. But she talked about, she talked about times she went to the World Series in the early 2000s and it was in Tampa. And her team was like, we're not letting you out without a chaperone. Like it is too dangerous for you out here. And uh, she's talked about how she's had to fight with leagues to get them to realize like, hey, we need to do things to really show we stand behind the trans community. So Seattle's, uh, Seattle's league definitely, the board is definitely not diverse enough, which is why I'm running for secretary this year. I am going to try to get on the board myself. Um, but I feel like up here in Seattle, we're definitely, um, we're definitely closer to the right way than many of the other leagues. Um, when the Texas mandate came down in that Governor Abbott brought down about investigating families of trans children for child abuse, uh, immediately I went to the league and was like, hey, what are you going to say about this? Like, you know, you're an LGBTQIA plus space. You need to have our back here. And... Um, and they ended up releasing a statement the next day. Sarah and I were able to push them into that. Um, and then we went to try to do it to Naga, and it took them five weeks. Something that's critical, because we're all trans people in this room. <laughs> well aware of what you've seen in Texas, and now what you're seeing in Florida, and what you're seeing really across the country, 39 states now putting up this legislation, whether it's been proposed or whether it's been passed or whether it's been challenged in court. And another thing, Tennessee's bathroom law just got challenged in court and was the and had an injunction put on it. Thank you, federal judge. For both of you, your thoughts on what you've seen in the landscape really since really since when you came when you were deciding to come on out in 2020 i have a lot of feelings about that because i technically okay so my first time coming out was in the 90s uh after matthew shepherd and ellen 
So Ellen's show had been canceled because she'd come out on TV. That was 1997. And then Matthew Shepard was murdered. That was 1998. So I tried to come out then. And I basically got shamed back into the closet by uh, my mother of origin. And so um, at that time in the 90s, you know, as trans people, we were just invisible, you know, to what little representation there was, you know, were films like Silence of the Lambs and Ace Ventura, where we were depicted as being, you know, reprehensible monsters and killers. And so it was a different kind of hostility, but I think the that's the sort of connecting line that it has always been a, a hostile environment. As far as since I've begun transition um, back in 2020, I mean, I remember in 2016 when the bathroom bills were being passed, and that definitely was something that kept me in the closet, seeing that happen. Um, and it seemed like there was a nice turnaround from that, and then it's just steadily progressed. And not to detract from the fact that our community is under attack, but I, I see it really all as just an opening salvo and a much broader attack on bodily autonomy. And so all they needed was to be able to convince people to hate and fear us to then justify a whole host of other things. And so, you know, 2016, 2017, all of these bathroom bills, uh, then 2018 onward, the sports bills, and now here we are in 2022, and they're talking about banning transition for children. And then you have, uh, my goodness, uh, the doctor, uh, Erica Anderson, advocating for nobody uh, to be, you know, having transition care. Or I believe she said people who are 25 and under. So essentially limiting even adults. And so now that they've convinced people and made that discourse mainstream, now we see that they're coming for Roe and we see that you know, they're probably going to come. <laughs> we so did. And they're and they're gonna be coming for Lawrence versus Texas. And they're gonna be coming for uh, you know, the 2015 uh, SCOTUS case that gave us marriage equality. And so uh, the landscape is definitely in a poor position. Is a strategy called the reasonable argument. So you never start off saying we want to genocide you know trans people you start off saying you know seemingly reasonable things well i just have this concern about we want to we want to keep sports safe for women yeah <laughs> you find all of these euphemisms to build upon so that once you finally start speaking the truth of what your goal is People have been buying into this already. So once you start saying the thing that sounds most radical, it now sounds reasonable. Yeah, the far right are taking people from the center and even the center left just by, you know, getting them to have these reasonable doubts about trans people, and then they use that as basically a gateway to like, oh, you think that's uh, you think that's a reasonable question? Got some more reasonable questions for you in my van. 
But I, I do want to emphasize that the landscape might be significantly darker than I have seen in my lifetime. But I don't consider that a sign of hopelessness because in those moments is when our community and our truest of allies galvanize to make change, right? This is how you get your stone wall. This is how you get act up giants and Catholic churches, right? When the pressure is on, nobody fights as hard as our community. And so on the, on the one hand, while I find it disheartening that people aren't stepping up to fight sooner on our behalf because we are such a small community. First, unfortunately. Yeah, but I know that we're going to galvanize and find that strength because it's just in our DNA as a community and the culture. Uh, we're fighters, and so I'm, I'm anticipating that we're going to have a serious fight ahead of us but one that will win because every time they have tried, we have risen to the occasion and there's a great strength, a great power in knowing that despite how small our community is, we're successfully fighting those battles. And so our, our power is greater than some in our own community realize, those who might be afraid of everything going on now. And our power is greater uh, to affect positive change than our enemies realize. Now, now, one thing that, that the pronouns have managed to do, you've built, you built a pretty nice little alliance with the storm there. Yeah. You built a nice, how did that come about? And because now I see, not only are you two looking all cute at the storm game, Achievement unlocked. You had a 50-50 raffle at the Storm game. Raised a little bit of money. You're getting... You're getting that's the hottest ticket in Seattle right now, by the way. It is. Sure, get the Krakens. Forget the Krakens. Forget the Seahawks for a second. The four-time champs are, are a hot ticket. And we had Burdens for Aussie for that game. What, what does it meant? For the pronouns to be at the point where you're working with the team that in many ways has been the most successful in the city the last 10 years or so. Yeah, it's amazing, honestly. Um, you know, it really just happened completely by by luck. And uh, I mean, there's there's luck involved. And also, you know, I wrote a good letter. Um, but but uh, my my teammate Zach, uh, we were coworkers and he found the GSBA, um, you know, he found it in the GSBA, like all these different, uh, organizations. And the GSBA is basically like the gay chamber of commerce in Seattle. Um, it, it's basically a list like here are LGBTQIA plus, uh, friendly businesses. And I just went down the list and found ones I thought would be good fits as sponsors for the team. And, you know, I thought, like, why not shoot my shot with these big teams? Uh, there's there's no reason why I need to only look into, you know, mom and pop shops and stuff like that. Like, ask everybody. You know, the worst they can do is ignore you or say no. 
And when I sent the message to the storm, the listed contact was Greg Sampadian, who is their manager of fan experience. And he came back at me like with our, our letter tells our story and our sponsorship tiers and what the league means to me and what our goals are. And, you know, he was just very impressed by what we're trying to do and said, well, I'll, I'll pass along to the sponsorship team, but that's not my job. But what I want to do is have you as one of my groups this year and be have, basically have pronouns night uh, for one night here at the storm. And we worked on it for like a month or two. And uh, what we ended up, their procedure basically when you want to be a the nonprofit of the night is you make a ticket by. Um, so we bought some tickets at a discounted rate and resold them to make that money back. Um, brought the team out. They put on a 50-50 raffle for us and donated the proceeds to us at the end. Uh, we just had to volunteer and sell tickets. And um, it's been awesome seeing that an organization as big and as prestigious as the Seattle Storm uh, likes what we're doing, that they see what we're doing. And they're like, yes, we want to we want to put ourselves behind that. We want to be associated with this organization. Um, it really means a lot. I think it lends legitimacy and credibility to what we're doing. And the relationship uh, actually went, it, I feel like it's continuing to develop. Um, we were offered the chance to come back for another game. Uh, our tickets on the storm this time. So uh, it's the start of a great relationship and I'm excited to keep building it. It's, it's, you know, hopefully one great organization helps another become great. You raised over 1700 bucks. Right. Not bad. Now, what are you going to do with that money? Sure. So, um, my, our number one goal this year is we want to sometime this summer, um, maybe late July, maybe early September, uh, you know, depends on schedules, but we're, we're trying to find a way to organize a youth skills clinic. And what we'd like to do is basically set up stations with players and coaches from our league being like, okay, this is where you feel the grounder. This is how you throw, this is how you throw a ball. Um, this is the hitting station. This is, you know, the outfield where you're going to track fly balls. Um, and, you know, we would supply t-shirts and uh, water and snacks and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and basically just show these, like basically show kids that, we belong in sports, that LGBTQIA plus people belong in sports as much as anyone else, that we can play just as well as anybody else. And uh, any of those kids there that might be, you know, maybe they, maybe their parents are awesome and they're already out and proud, and maybe they're not. And they're, you know, looking to see an example of potential outcomes for them. And then they'll see someone like, myself or Jerica or our coach Sarah laughing, smiling, having a good time, being good at these sports and think like, okay, maybe, maybe as bad as things sound on the news, maybe happy and thriving queer adult is a potential outcome for me. So that's our number one goal. Um, that's, I, I feel like that will probably be our biggest expense this year, but definitely is it is our number one goal to be able to put that on this year. Uh, when you do it, we're covering it. 
just so you know. When That's we do it, right. we're covering it. Now, both of you came out in 2020. Mm -hmm. Jerrica, I want to start with you. How much did the pandemic affect your coming out? I'm just going to say full disclosure. The pandemic took me a step, made me step way beyond what I thought was possible because the pandemic gave me time and space to, in effect, ask the question, who is Carly? Who am I? How did the pandemic affect your coming out? Um, my reason for coming out wasn't the pandemic itself, but the pandemic did give me the safe space that I needed to explore and be confident and not go back into the closet. Um, because, you know, as I said earlier, I'd come out in the 90s and went back into the closet. And then I sort of, we'll say, hover at the threshold where I was, you know, really, really trying hard to, you know, live out the expectation people had of me being, you know, a cis man. And, you know, I'm still sitting there listening to Khaki King and reading Strangers in Paradise and watching the L word religiously. It's like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. The L word. Gotta ask. Favorite character. Favorite character. <laughs> oh, and the L word? Shame. Everybody liked them some Shane. I love Shane McCutcheon. She was the only... Now, wait a minute. Are we talking original L word? Or are we talking about original L word? Or Q generation L word? Okay. Uh, Shane's still my favorite, even in generation Q. She's... I mean... She's definitely a bad partner. <laughs> you know, for dating. No, I get that. But, uh, but, uh, but as a friend... She was the truest friend in that whole series. She was the most loving person, and she was consistently there to support people. So I, I adore Shane. And she always said what was true and what mattered. So, uh, But for me, the pandemic was that space to not go backward into the closet. You know, I, I said, okay, now is the time. I'm taking a step out. And instead of keeping the door open, and running back in because something else, you know, pushed me in or I retreated into it. I shut it. I locked it and I walked away. Um, you know, being able to dress at home, have that time, not to go anywhere, being able to just think about it, having that alone time, I think to really just be introspective made a world of difference when it came to just committing to being myself. Now, Brittany, what about you? Because 2020, same thing, same thing. What did that time in the pandemic, there was no ball games, really nothing going on, we're all locked down. How did that influence or affect your own process? It was the last uh, kick in the butt I needed, I think, um, because my upbringing was very different of, of Jerrica's. Um, I kind of didn't know, and I, every time I kind of came a little closer to thinking the thought, um, I would take a little step, and all my friends and family were amazing in that they were like, awesome, hey, yeah, that's great. Like, we support you, we love you, we believe you, When when it was like, 
first did the drag show. I'm like, hey, sometimes I like to do this in private. And then I went out with them to bars. It's like, well, sometimes I just like to go out. And then I started going to like every music festival and rave uh, started to go out each step of the way from, you know, did a drag show to I'm a crossdresser to I'm by gender. They were always like, great, awesome. We love you. We support you. That's great. And I think it made me think like, okay, so they said it's okay. I guess, is that enough? Like, is this all I need? Is, is this like, can I be satisfied with this? And the pandemic hit and uh, I wasn't able to go to work. And the first thought I had is like, well, I can just present as, um, but at that time I was still going as Brit, which was one letter away from my dead name. And I thought like, I could just present as Brit every day and, you know, I'll just see how this goes. And, and that should have been a sign right there. Um, but, but basically, you know, um, I was, I was living in this apartment at the time, 375 square foot studio, which is me and the dog. And, uh, that gets a little cooped up when there's nowhere to go, no work to go to. So eventually my mom picked me up, uh, and I spent a few months living up there with her and, you know, like about two or three months into living up there presenting as myself every day, I thought, you know, I think I'm just trans and, 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 you know, I'd been having the thought like, am I, aren't I, you know, doing all those, all this typical egg things like reading egg IRL going on as transgender on Reddit and just trying to find experiences from people asking me, how did you know for sure? When did you have your aha moment? Um, but just having the time of not going to work and being able to ask those questions and live as myself every day, um, definitely, you know, awakened me to the idea like this is right. And when I came out 10 days later, I was taking hormones and, um, you know, like just, there have been big steps since then. Um, when deciding I wanted to actually go by Brittany instead of Brit, that was a big one as well. Um. Actually, that one, I was just at the golf course with a friend, and we introduced ourselves, and I said, hi, I'm Britt. And he says, is that short for Brittany? And I had kind of been thinking about switching to long form for about three months, and just kind of stumbled, like, ah, um, uh, yeah, uh-huh. And sure enough, changed it the, the next day on all my social me media and gave me that sense of euphoria. So just having that time to sit and reflect and grow and learn myself and, um, and you know, having a having about a month of here alone time, and then time with just my mom for a couple months before little things started opening up. It was it was definitely that having that space to really be in my own head uh, really helped me ask the questions that I was afraid to ask and didn't ask uh, using excuses like, "Well, I've got to go to work. I can't really." can't think about it if I'm trans. I'm, I'm busy this week. So, yeah. I think definitely the being at home and having that safe space to just be your authentic self, that's a big one because, you know, if, if, if the idea is, oh, I have to dress up and go out, right, how are people going to react to me? What, you know, will the situations be that will, you know, come up? But when you're at home... <laughs> When you're at home, it's just like, oh, you can just be you every day. And that that was a powerful experience. Is that Alana McLaughlin? 
Actually, it was. Oh, had, a little, had a little momentarily, momentary technical difficulty, but of course it's Alana. Oh my gosh, I love her. I'm wondering, did you see? Did you see her fight back last September? Did you get to see the fight? No, I did not get to see the fight. All I gotta say is, to get a chance, see the fight. Ah. It was a good fight. In fact, if you get also, if you get a chance, just I'm gonna let everybody know at ten forward. We're gonna at ten forward. We're gonna have the video of. We're gonna have that original show video at ten forward of the post fight show. And the year-end interview with her and Fallen Fox. That's all coming up. We got to just might as well let the cat out of the bag while we're here. Chan Transporter Room 10 forward on, on Instagram. Starting next week, we're going to have the we're gonna have the Carly Changed Her Name celebration next week. All right. Because next week is my next week is the second next week is the third anniversary of my name change going through. So all during that week leading up from my name change to my birthday, May 30th, we're going to be showing all the content, including the video of this interview. So let nice. that cat out, let, let that cat out of the bag. But you know, hey, Merry early birthday. Thank you. Happy well, birthday. Well, one thing since we're getting on there anyway, um, Jerrica and I have an egg thing in common. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> it's where Jerrica, Jerrica is where you got your name from. You got your, that's your egg th that, No, Jim, Jim and the Holograms is your egg thing, so I want to know. Yeah, we're at the nerd geek part of the show right now. For the cis people in the audience, we're, we're going seriously trans right now. Consider this your trigger warning. We're talking omelet right now. That's how eggy it's going to get. Just so you know. You were warned. But I want to know, favorite hologram. I, I have a feeling I know, but I gotta ask. <laughs> I should be saying something like Shanna or or, or or something, but no, it's it's Jerrica, it's Jam. See now, Jesus. you explained this. I remember when we first met on Twitter. You explained this, so you got to walk through what what because you picked the name in part because of Jerrica Benton. Yeah. Yeah, I know all names. We got that's how that's how nerdy we're gonna get. <laughs> no, uh so when I was growing up and watching that cartoon, um like a, so a big part of me understanding myself and going, Oh, I'm a girl is you know, I'm growing up, I'm watching He-Man, I'm watching Transformers, I'm watching G.I. Joe, all those things. And it's like, okay, those are like fun cartoons. But then I watched Gem. I'm going. Oh, I see myself in that character. That's that's who I want to be like when I grow up. Oh, these are these are girls. Oh, then I must be a girl. And Jerrica is compassionate. Uh, she loves music, and she really puts others first. She cares, and so you know, community and all that matters to her. And those are all things that I wanted to be like. I was like, she's a good person, right? She was my role model. What's the quote from your remote? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. What is this? Okay, no, all of all of the sounds on my phone are um, from the show, and my initials actually spell gem. So Jerrica Evermore, 
intentional. So now, see now that's the way to do it. See, because before I do every race, I say Showtime Synergy. Oh, that's me on race morning. That's me. That's me before a race, especially like getting like when I get the bike into transition. Yes, we said that pun. <laughs> I get the bike in the transition just before just before I leave the bike, get every get everything set out, head out to go start. Showtime showtime's energy. But now on the other side though, you see gotta go and get to the see see we got we got a Spidey fan. We got we got a spider friend in the house. Oh yeah, well we got we got a couple. I mean I'll uh, I'll I'll embarrass myself on the camera here to show you uh, where we are. see that shouldn't be embarrassing that's some good that's some good work oh it's not the it's not the tattoo it's just my lack of coordination and shaking it no so. no that's some good work though okay yeah. i got i got all right well here's the question she did herself see it no oh wait a minute so now you're so now you're this budding sports executive and you're an artist. Well, I mean, it didn't look that good when I drew it. I, I draw an all right Spider-Man. So I just put him in the pose I wanted him to be, in the costume I wanted him to be, and told the artist, like, hey, so don't make it exactly like this. Can you just make this, like, artist good? But, like, it's good enough for you to see what you want to do, right? And he did a great job. Um, never seen you be this modest. <laughs> I know. I don't really do modest, honestly. But um, <laughs> but, but this this artist uh, kid was a huge Spider-Man fan, so he'd been wanting to do one for a long time. So I definitely stumbled into the right artist to do it, for sure. So uh, this is... One of my favorite issues of Spider-Man. There we go. And you can see there it's autographed by Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. Oh, see? Yeah. See, that's huge right there. Yeah. But I've met Stan three times, so this is like my prized possession. All right. Well, well we're trying to one-up each other here. No! <laughs> you are just so uber. That's some uber geek. When you've met Stan, when you've met Excelsior himself, that's like a million bonus points right there. Oh yeah. But no, I, I got okay. I have to know from from both of you since you both there are into some. Since we got three spider fans here. We got three here, so I want to know favorite. Okay, first off, favorite character. Any any Spider-Man media favorite character. Uh yeah, I'm gonna be basic and. Oh. We have we have the same problem. If I'm not mistaken, we have the same one. Uh, it's Peter. Peter got us into the into the comics. Uh, Peter was responsible for, you know, some of honestly some of my guiding senses of morality. With great power comes great responsibility. Great responsibility it's, yeah, it's more than just a corny tagline. Uh, you know, it's the idea that like when you when you have the ability to do something good, you should do it. Um, so, Ghost Spider and Gwen comes in a close second. Uh, I'll have to show you at some point. I I have done some Spider Gwen cosplays. Uh, I did a Spider Gwenum where I made the symbiote makeup uh, on my face. Uh, I and then the next year you gotta just, send me those. Then oh no, yeah. do, you gotta send me those. Yeah, I just I just did um, I did Spider Gwen back to back years. One year Gwenum, one year Gwen. I bought both costumes at the same time, basically. Like here's two Halloweens, um, and this last year 
we do costume day in fall ball uh, in our softball league. So I did Spider Gwen for fall ball, which was a lot of fun as well. Um, in fact, my middle name is Gwendolyn. And while it wasn't entirely about Spider-Man, it had a lot to do with it. Um, like Basically, this is going to combine all my dorkiness together here. But um, shortly after I decided to add the N-E-Y and be Brittany instead of Brit, that was like so much gender euphoria. So I decided, uh, okay, I need to find the middle name now. So I went through lists of like 3,000 names. I cut it down to 25. I was going to make a pro con list and seven of them, seven of them were like, I don't even have any pros. So it got cut down to 17. And, uh, this was, this was in March and I'm a sports fan. So, um, you know, I, I shopped the names around and got opinions from friends and family. I was looking for something feminine, something badass, and something I would be willing to be called by if I ever outgrew Brittany. And I finally kind of ranked the names. I actually drew out a March Madness style bracket. Uh, of, you drew of, a bracket. Wait a minute. You drew a bracket. It's from, not my mom's house. It's her mom's house. It's on her own bedroom wall. Yeah. I've seen it. It's oh, no. Bracket. I want to see a picture of this. I need a picture taken of it. Yeah, I need. Uh, How many but, names got in the bracket? Uh, the 17 got there and then I just kind of seeded them based on like the, the chats I'd been having with people. Uh, so like you're seeing all my nerdiness here, uh, initially Gwendolyn was lower on the list. Like I kind of thought, you know, my thought was like, I don't want to just steal it from a fictional character, but the more I thought about it was, um, Spider-Man lore has had a big effect on my life. Gwendolyn is a classically like feminine, beautiful name. Uh, it's badass because she's a literal superhero. She's Ghost Spider, um, and and you know, I mean, it's fake, but you can see I'm a blondie, so I definitely could see um, being called Gwen or Gwendolyn if I were ever to outgrow Brittany. Sounds fake. You paid real dollars for that, sweetie. So that is that's. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's your hair. You paid for that hair. You got the receipt. Yes. Mm-hmm. But no, that is see, but that is just that. Okay, right now, like I said, people, you're getting peak trans girl culture here right now. This right. Is what you're getting. This, hey, at at we. That's one thing, but that's another thing too. All that, even. Do you find your trans joy and dorkiness? I sure as hell do. Oh, I will put it there. Everywhere. Yeah. So, what well, yeah, that? Dork- I find it everywhere, but through dorkiness as well. Well, for, but for both of you, where do you find? Because oftentimes people, I make it a point to talk about trans joy here in the transporter room. Where do you find? Where are the places where you really find it the most intensely? You say you find it everywhere, but where does it really come out for you? Well, I mean, I'm, we're here talking about the pronouns, and obviously that's definitely a big thing for me. Uh, sports are something I'm very passionate about. I've always been, you know, good for my age, for sure. Like, you know, I was never going to sign a major league contract or anything. But I'm a good player. Um, so, you know, I always enjoyed being out on the field, but there's just something special about being able to be on the field as myself uh, to go out there and still do the same things that I used to do and 
honestly, like over the last couple of years, I've grown as a player. I can hit opposite field now. I can do things I couldn't do before. And there's something just freeing about being out there and, you know, doing the things I love, but doing them as me. Um, so, you know, maybe I've lost 10 or 20 feet on my deep fly balls because of estrogen. Uh, but I definitely feel as much myself on the field uh, as I do anywhere else. Um, so I find it everywhere for sure. Um, I find it, um, I mean, you know, something about my big hat size here. I find it because I know I'm confident. I know that uh, when I go out into the world, I, I feel good. I look good. And there's something about just knowing that uh, there's something about knowing that, you know, I'm my bad bitch self and people see that, uh, that, that makes me feel good. Uh, that makes me find that trans joy. And I think, you know, too often are, if, if you saw the OL rain video, one of the things I said there is too often trans experiences uh, framed through our struggle, through our hardships and not enough through our joy. So I think that's something, you know, that is a big point for both Jerica and I to show the world trans joy, to show that it exists. And it's probably a big reason why we're, as drawn to each other as we are. Um, so, so there's, there's, you know, obviously, like I said, the big one it, on the field is one thing, but just being out there and being very trans in public also makes me feel that trans joy. Jack, how about you? Things um, about your Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so I do I do the trans girl joy Twitter uh, threads or posts just for that reason, so that people can see being trans as being a beautiful experience, that we can find happiness. And I think that was like such a big deal for me because coming out in 2020 did lead to me losing the people who were then at my time at that time my family and I'm on a big homeless and so it was a really big toll. But in a year's time, not even a full year's time, I went from rejected by my family and homeless to now her mom is my mom. I have a career at a wonderful nonprofit doing exactly the thing that I love to do. Uh, and I get to be myself every day. You're starting game. Oh my god! Well, that's a different. That's a whole different thing. What? You might as well put it out of here now. She's she's trying to start. Where? Where? She asked about where I find my joy. Well, that's part of the. Well, that's part of the joy you find in a nonprofit. You're already putting. You're you're working with one nonprofit and you're starting one. No, you need to be no. No, we've heard a lot about what Brittany's doing. I also want to know about what you're doing. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, so I'm working on a nonprofit that's going to be called Proud New Women. Um, I also had a long list of names when I was coming up with it, and I workshopped it, sent it around to people that I trusted. And because Proud New Women, uh, as an initialism, is PNW, like Pacific Northwest, that's the one that went out. Uh, but the goal for this nonprofit is to be sort of like a big sister, little sister program, but for trans women. And so the idea is I get elder trans women 
um, to come volunteer and sort of be mentors. We can take a baby trans girl shopping for her first outfit. We can provide counseling on how to acquire hormones and what that process is like. Have somebody go with you for your first appointment if you want that moral support. Um, I've recently been thinking about having like a community sort of closet to store things. And so there's a local uh, thrift store called Out of the Closet that I'm going to go to and ask if they'll partner with me so that we can sort of build this permanent collection so that people who might not be able to afford to go shopping can get something. Uh, but really just building that support network, being able to take a baby trans to uh, queer events here in Seattle, so maybe like Trans Pride or the Trans uh, Film Festival that's put on by Three Dollar Girl Cinema. So just getting people acclimated so that they're not alone because coming out is often that experience where people can you know, lose family, lose friends, and that isolation can be scary. And so being able to have a place you can turn and people you can turn to and say, oh, no, 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 I still have family. I still have community. It's just in a different place now. Uh, I think that's like a really big deal. Like, I, it's really a big thing for me to be for other people, the sort of thing or person that I wish that I had when I was dealing with these sorts of problems. And so, you know, all I had when I came out was just my brother, who thankfully let me sleep on his couch after I got kicked out uh, by other people. Um, and so being able to be, you know, support for other people, that's like important. Uh, I'll say that the nonprofit I work with uh, does education related work. Uh, and so, you know, I dealt with a lot of experiences being bullied because of homophobia and transphobia when I was a kid. And so being an educator and being able to actually look out for kids and say, hey, I see you when I care and I'm not going to let people attack you. That's like a big deal to me. So I'm just trying to pay forward in my mind the sorts of things that I wish were there for me. But, um, and that definitely does give me joy. Uh I suppose more pointedly the thing that gives me like that good sense of trans girl joy is anything that I do to reclaim sort of my lost time. So I'm real big on, you know, I'm, I'm 38, but I'm real big on saying, I don't care all the things that I didn't get to do when I was little Jerrica in the closet I'm doing now. So, like, for instance, I was playing the guitar, this is last month, and I'm playing Kiss Me by Sixpence, None the Richer, which was in uh, She's All That, right? And I loved that movie when I was a kid. And Brittany was in the kitchen cooking, and I'm playing this song on guitar and singing along. And when I was younger, I just dreamed of, like, going to, like, prom or something, and getting to have a pretty dress on and getting to have a date and give them a kiss. And obviously I didn't get any of that at the time, but I'm like, Hey, I have this woman that I love. I have this partner. I'm listening to the song. And so mm -hmm. I was like, stop I'm like, stop cooking for a minute and come give me a kiss while this song is on. And so she did it. And so, right. Like, you know, little things uh, of that nature make me feel affirmed or like my anniversary was uh, in January. And I was on Twitter asking people for help with being able to do what I wanted for that day, which was 
put on a pretty dress, have a party, and then I wanted Barbies and an easy bake oven because those are things that I asked my mom and dad for when I was nine. And my dad was just immediate, immediately like, hell no, you know, that's gay, don't do that. My mom was like, well, we'll see about it. And then just it never happened. So now I've had the realization like, oh, shit, I'm grown. I can do what I want. Well, I want Barbies and I want an easy bake oven. And I put that out there on Twitter. And to my surprise, and I never, I haven't said anything on Twitter because I don't want her swamped with people, you know, making assumptions about what she will or won't do. But it's, I guess it's worth saying now that Lily Wachowski bought me my Barbies and my Easy Bake Oven. What? Yeah. Did I hear that right. Yeah. Yeah. You heard that right. Lily, Lily. Yeah, Wachowski. I hear that right. Yes. Yeah. Lily Wachowski of Sensate and Matrix fame bought me Barbies and an Easy Bake Oven. She Venmoed me uh, the money to do it. It was like the sweetest thing. And she sent me a happy anniversary message. So uh, thank you, Lily. I love you. Uh, but just, just by whatever chance, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I post a lot of, you know, nerd stuff and trans girl joy stuff, but I also post a lot of political things about being trans. And one of my threads, Lily wound up liking, and then she, you know, she's my Twitter mutual now. And she was my Twitter mutual, so she saw my tweets like, hey, I really want a Barbie. I really want an easy bake oven. I didn't get those when I was a kid. Now it's my first anniversary, and I want to celebrate with that. And sure enough, she sent me the money for it and said, hey, happy belated anniversary. I hope this helps. And, yeah, so th those are the things, you know, giving a kiss to a song that I wanted to have a kiss to as a girl when I was little, you know, and yes, I've, I've used the Easy Bake Oven. The Barbies are like on this planner bookshelf back there. So yeah, those are the things that give me that give me joy. It sounds so corny now that I'm saying it out loud. But yeah. And this is the this is why I like doing this podcast right here. Because oh man, oh man, this is just so this is just so cute, sweet, and wonderful. We're coming to the stretch though. Okay. <laughs> coming to the stretch. To the stretch. First off. I do want to ask Brittany, first time stepping on that field as Brittany, what was it like for you to be you on that ball? And not only you in that ball field, but you in that uniform. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome um, because people in the league had generally known that I was a pretty solid player. Um, I think about half of them recognized me because there had been a year off and I looked a lot different, but anyway, um, you know, surprise, surprise. I'm sure you're shocked to hear this. I I'm pretty confident in my ability out there. So, um, you know, I, I knew I was going to step on that field and do what I always do. And I did, um, you know, I was a good hitter. I was a good defensive outfielder. I was a positive influence in the clubhouse. Exit question. <laughs> Where do you want to take this concept of the pronouns next? And where do you see this concept next year and five years and even 10 years down the line? That's a lot to consider. Um, you know, it's certainly grown so much faster than I would have expected. 
Um, certainly when I started putting the team together, I thought like, okay, I'll create this team that is a little less focused on the, um, you know, Cisco players in the league because they have plenty of spaces in this league. Like, let's create a team where, you know, people, people of non-binary or trans backgrounds can feel like, you know, they're not going to be the token trans or, or like, I'm going to be the only one on this team. They, they know there's people that they can relate to. And then that went from like, well, you know, I wanted to make a team. And it's like, well, maybe we should do it as a nonprofit and got the idea to do it as a nonprofit. And then a coworker helped me draw up the documents. And I started realizing the potential for like what can be done as a nonprofit versus just as a you know, group of softball players having a good time, which was like kind of my initial thought, like, let's make this an all-inclusive adult gay softball team. And once we got, you know, the idea to be a nonprofit, that kind of put more ideas in my head. And once we got our 501c3 status, that was like, okay, we can do a lot more with this now. Um, like, I'll tell you last year, you know, the idea to have the kids skills clinic wasn't in my head, but knowing what we can do um, the type of support we can get from sponsors and friends and family, the type of money we can raise to put those things on. It's like, well, if we can do it, we should do it. Um, uh, you know, I mean, like I said earlier, like your background said, with great power comes great responsibility. So next year, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, if the Kids Skills Clinic is, is a success, I'd like to do it uh, each year. Um, but, you know, right now we're just one team of 15 players and maybe in future years we'll be like some of the other teams in the league where we have a B team, a C team, a D team and an E team instead of just one in one division. Um, you know, providing more spaces in each division of each uh, talent level, of each ability level to be inclusive. Because right now, you know, You've also, if you want to play on the team, like we do play in the C division, so you're probably going to be a C caliber player. Um, and it would be nice to be able to have the, have the, you know, have existed long enough, have built a foundation enough to be able to have pronouns teams in multiple divisions. So also people of all skill levels could wear the jersey, could be a part of the family. And um, beyond that, I mean, Jerica seems to think much bigger, bigger and grander things than I've considered, um, you know, are coming. And, and so far, she's been right about all of them. But I have not had the foresight to really dream as big as her. And uh, and she's been right every time. One more time, say that last part again. What part? Oh, that, that last part. I don't remember. Oh, I'm sorry. Those don't worry. We don't worry. We do. <laughs> I get this has fired me up today to have this interview. This is something I've been trying to look at. This is something that, that's been playing in my head for a few months now, especially with all the things coming out about Texas and whatnot. And it's good to it was good to have you both, Brittany, Jerica. Thank you for being on the transporter room this week. And if nothing else, I don't know if I'm Good enough to be on the pronouns. I'm definitely a fa I'm definitely a fan. What's your rating? I'll tell you right now. Heck if I know. <laughs> Heck if I know. Our 
our league is so small, it's like literally you've got A-rated players and you got D-rated players. All we're just all on the team. Oh, the only time they really separate us, the only time we real they really separate us into the different divisions is when we travel as a league because we're a tiny ass league. But it was great having you both on. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in that CD area as a player, honestly. A lot of speed, a lot of speed. Bats kind of suspect. Can do the job behind the plate though. Well, hey, our players are all uh, nine to. 13s right now so uh if you're in that if it, we, we've got players rating for d that play with us so if you play d you can play with us well i'll tell you what no matter what definitely rooting for you Brittany yeah. miller jerica moore thank you for being in the transporter room this week and i know you guys gotta guys gotta turn that three and six record around right now Heck so yeah. Definitely. So I'm gonna beam. Some, some some of those three run losses are gonna become three one run wins. And slow pitch, you know, those games that are that tight come down to one or two hits. No, we just gotta find. I them. know all about it. Yeah, but I'm gonna beam you both back down to Seattle. Adel, thanks for being in the transporter room this week. Special thanks to founders and the ownership group of the Puget Sound Pronouns. Brittany Miller, Jerrica Moore for being on the Transporter Room this week. And thanks to all of you for being a part of Transporter Room Nation. And remember, if there's something you want to see or someone you want to see on this podcast, and there's plenty of people I want to see, and I know you do too, by all means, please leave a message at our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Remember, everything that I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week. <laughs>